Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing Welcome basketball. into another edition of the We Hate Blaine Wade Show. Now, there's something Sam and I have been talking about for the last couple of days, and yes, we talk about how we hate Dwayne Wade, but we want to change the name of the show. It's too negative. It's got to go. We want to look at the positive right now, and we love basketball so much that we're not going to just single out Dwayne Wade and say we hate him, even though we do. So, we challenge you to come up with a name for us. Stick around to the end of the show. We'll explain to you uh, how to do that. There's a prize maybe involved. Maybe a very good, good Prize. Fantastic prize, even. I think the greatest prize in the history of prizes on WEI.com's podcast. I would have to agree. I would, too, even though I haven't listened to all of them. But I would suggest that it is the greatest prize ever. So, we've seen a couple of games of the Celtics now. We've seen them with a surprising victory. We saw them get their ass kicked. Then we saw against the Mavs Monday night. The craziest game a, a crazy in a game, while. but a game you're gonna a type of game you're gonna see from this Celtics team a couple more times this season where they get down big and they just go into this controlled chaos mode and slowly chip away and get back within one point under a minute to go in the fourth quarter. They eventually lost the game, but as a Celtics fan, you've got to look at that and go, "Damn, there's some really good pieces right here. I like what these guys can do together, especially that backcourt and how they can just cause so many problems for so many people." So I look at this team. And we've talked about they're not very good, but this is going to be a very enjoyable team to watch. Last year's team was not very fun to watch. This year's team's going to be fun to watch. They're not going to win a ton of games, but they're going to. There's going to be so many of those moments where you're going to watch and go, "Damn, I really like when they do that." Or, "Geez, this kid's good. If he can develop a little bit more, wow, we're going to have a superstar on our hands." I'm going to really enjoy this season, and I've already enjoyed the first couple of games of it. That first he- quarter where they gave up 40 points, I was super negative. I was like, oh, this this team's returning back to earth. They're going to be terrible. And then for that 31-point comeback, I was just sitting there on my couch. Is this really happening? This is amazing. And just the constant pressure they're putting on defense, especially with the Rondo Smart-Bradley line, which needs its own uh, nickname, by the way. They're just going to attack, attack, attack on defense, pick up full court. And it was just, it was you're right, it was just fun to watch. It was a team giving maximum effort for the last three quarters and... It was great, and I think they're going to, if they can put that effort together for a full game, they're going to be in every single game. They probably won't win because they can't play defense that well on the interior. And they're going to have trouble shooting the ball, as we saw in the Houston game. But if they put that effort in, you're right, this team's going to be fun to watch. Now, they do have the most frustrating person, and I've railed against him for a long time, uh, Jeff Green. I can't stand him. I can't stand watching him play. There's nights where he just goes off, and you're like, holy crap. The Mavericks game, he came out aggressive. He was shooting on everything. I think he scored the first seven points of the game. Tommy Heinsohn was going crazy, saying he's the best one-dribble attack guard. He just can dunk everything. And he came out, and he dropped like 35, 34 points. And it was great Jeff Green. And it was like, of course you're going to do this when you're already down 40 or give up 40. It's, it was just a classic Jeff Green frustration game. When the game's tight, he's too tentative to be aggressive. And... It's very frustrating to watch because you see you see the ability. It's not like, remember when they had Gerald Green when he just came, came out of high school? Yeah. And you saw the glimpses of the ability, but you knew, wow, he's still a ways away. And, and Jeff uh, Gerald Green wasn't doing what Jeff Green could do. Um, 
but it was kind of fun to say, oh man, he's got all the ability in the world, wait till he develops. Jeff Green's plateaued in we terms of development. There's no more waiting anymore. He either has to bring it every night or he's done. Yeah, I, I, I'm just, with the team the way it's built now, I'd like to see Jeff Green gone and get some other guys some time, especially when you're going to go to this really small lineup uh, in your backcourt, which transitions over to the three. When you're going to go really small like that, I don't need Jeff Green around. See, I would disagree. I really like Jeff Green as the four in that small lineup with Sullinger at the five. If you're going to go small, I think Jeff Green's really the one player on your team who can play both the three and the four, and he's like kind of that four who can stretch the floor when you go small. I think he's. I don't think there's anyone else on the team who can really gives him enough size with that small lineup. Mm. However, Sam, you said something earlier, not today, but in past episodes about Brandon Bass shooting the threes. Wouldn't you like to see... Rondo, Bradley Smart, Bass at the four, Sullinger at the five, and just have a chuck fest. With, and you know what? That's not a terrible rebounding lineup because Rondo, as a point guard, is a great rebounder. So he's going to make up for some of that size differential because he's so smart when it comes to crashing the glass. Wouldn't you like to see that lineup? I would like to see No. <laughs> not at all, because Brandon Bass, hes I mentioned that he's practicing shooting threes. It doesn't mean he's at all good at it. Touche. Jeff Green is way better. Plus, Jeff Green is much more athletic than Brandon Bass. And if this team, especially with that small lineup, is all about running defense, transition basketball, Jeff, you're going to want Jeff Green on the wing, not Brandon Bass. Fair enough. Fair all right, enough. here's my question to you. Okay. If you don't want to see Jeff Green out there, which players are you excited about seeing develop? Other than Marcus Smart, because everyone, I feel like that's the obvious choice. Everyone's, he's the number six pick. Everyone's going to see him. He's making some amazing plays. But who are the kind of the other pieces that you're excited to watch and kind of see get better as this season goes on? Well, you've heard me talk about how much I love James Young. And unfortunately for James Young, he's not going to get a lot of burn when you have a glut at the guard position. I'm interested. I don't really like Evan Turner's game very much, but I'm interested in Evan Turner. And I'm interested to see Sullinger continue to develop. Uh, he's a phenomenal rebounder for his size, and you talk about his ass all the time because you huge ass. I have a weird obsession with his giant, giant ass. Yeah, you do, but it's fine. Whatever, we'll let it slide. I'm excited to see Olenek try and defend people and learn footwork because he has terrible footwork on the defensive end. He can't stay in front of everyone, anyone, and he gets out muscled. Now he's got to know he's gonna get out muscled, so he's got to have better footwork. It's like watching the Patriots' offensive line. They might not be the biggest guys in the world, but when your footwork's so good, J.J. Watt can't get past It's all about you. technique. It is all about technique. So I'm interested in Sullinger. I'm interested in Zeller. Zeller and Rondo seem to have a Their pick and roll has been amazing. Not even just their pick and roll, but their transition offense. As we talked about earlier, Zeller getting up and down that court. Rondo finding him. Rondo is very good at finding the big man who runs the length of the court. He's very good at doing that and he learned that by having KG so I'm interested to see the two of them kind of come together and see where that leaves Olenek maybe it comes to a point where you have Rondo on the floor with Zeller and Olenek and that way you've got some size out there but uh I there's so many combinations I'm fascinated with this team that I'm interested every night to see what Brad Stevens does Personally, the thing I've been looking for is kind of the offensive development of Avery Bradley with this, we know what he can do on defense, but with this team, there's not a lot of scores. There's not a lot of outside shooting. Bradley's going to have to put up shots, and at least in that Mavericks game, I think he put up 
22 shots. He was four from six from three. He ended up scoring career-high 32 points. But going throughout the season, I feel like at least the first three games, he's been more aggressive than I've used to seeing him and is willing to just pull up and take any shot that's given him. And I'm just curious to see if those shots are going to continue to fall for him because if he can start putting up anywhere from 18 to 20 points a game, he's a force. There's shooting guards not like a really deep position in this league, and if he can give you that amount of points in addition to his all-star level defense, he's going to be one of the, like a, a major pers- piece to build around going forward. He is a fa- fantastic player to watch, especially play defense. And it's just funny watching him play because he hustles his ass off, but his face never changes. He's always got that like droopy dog look on his face like, Okay, I guess we'll he's play the, some defense. He's the now. same way in the locker room, too. You ask him questions, he's never... It's like Bill Belichick taught him how to deal with questions, but he never gets high, never gets low. It's like, oh, well, we got to do this. At least some other people have personality locker room. He's just a quiet, like... He's very demure. That was the word I was looking for. Uh, thank you. You're welcome. You, you saw that, that I was just reaching for demure. Don't say it like that ever again. I feel like that's the proper pronunciation. Uh, Coming up in just a few minutes, we've got Greg Dickerson joining us. We love Greg. Greg, uh, as you guys know, part of the Dale and Holly show these days. And uh, former Celtics sideline reporter for Comcast, still does work for Comcast. You can see him on Sports Tonight from time to time. And and we love Greg, so I'm excited for him to join us, and we'll talk to him about his beloved Celtics. But uh, let's quickly, before we get to Greg, let's talk about some other news around the NBA. We'll start with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Growing pains or not the right pieces? I think it's growing pains. You saw the same thing happen with them in or with LeBron in Miami with those early teams. Uh, they played some really tough. Like I think LeBron was just shook in the first game and had all this pressure that he put on himself, making it the biggest game in the history of sports. Then they battled back and they beat the Bulls. He had a tough game against a good Portland team, but I don't think there's anything really to worry about. I think in a week they could easily rattle off four wins and this talking point will be gone. I completely agree with you. I think it's just growing pains figuring out what to do. Uh, you watch that game, and I, and I don't think LeBron scored a single point in the second half yesterday. No, he only, I think he ended up with 11, but none in the he second half. He didn't score a single point in the second half. And to me, that's unacceptable out of a superstar. LeBron, um, for all the great traits that he has, he's too selfless. He's always looking to pass. He's always looking to set up and create. He's too selfless. He's got to if if the other players aren't scoring, he's got to just take it to the hoop and do his thing. And once he does that, then he can set up everyone else because now now everyone's going to crash. And then Kevin Love's open for an easy three. Kyrie Irving's open for an eighteen foot jump shot. Bradley or whatever. Uh, uh, Dion Waiters. You know. There's so many options for that team to score, especially from the perimeter, that he's got to crash, crash, crash if things aren't going right. So I'd, I'd like to see him take over games that I know he has the ability to do. People have always talked about LeBron versus Jordan. Jordan had the killer instinct. LeBron doesn't. That's the difference. They're both fantastic players. They're both two of the greatest players of all time. I'm not saying they're one and two. But when it came down to it, Jordan wanted the ball. He wanted to score the ball. Uh, yeah, sometimes he would set people up. You saw it, uh, whether it be Steve Kerr in the finals or uh, John Paxson against the Suns in the finals. He would make the right play at the right time, but he wanted the ball and he wanted to score. If his scoring lane was gone, he was going to kick it. 
LeBron needs to become more of that. I think the key for this Cavs team is actually starts on the defensive end because they're going to be great in transition. Where they're going to struggle early on is when after uh, opposing teams make, they're going to have to come up and set their offense, which they have clearly haven't learned how to do. And that's where LeBron's going to struggle because he needs to be attacked more. But if they can play better defense and just have Kevin Love throwing crazy outlet passes to LeBron or Kyrie and have just LeBron on the wings, that's where the team's going to really excel. So I think it actually starts on their defensive end. I think I saw Zach Lowe tweet the other day saying that David Blatt has kind of installed a very complicated defensive system that's super aggressive and that they may ne- actually need to dial it back if they're going to uh, start gelling as a team moving forward. Don't you talk trash about David Blatt. I, He's from Framingham, Massachusetts, my hometown. He is a saint. I said nothing. I said he implemented an aggressive system. I know. I'm you, just back off. you back off. I just wanted to drop that in. For those of you who don't know, he's from Framingham. So is Lou Merloni. I know. So are you. Yeah, but no one really cares about that. Name another Framingham great. Ooh. Oh, boy. Uh, there is a baseball player in the Hall of Fame from Framingham, but he played turn of the century last. Mordecai Three Finger Brown? No, like... It's not Nap Lajoie, but I can't remember who it is. Crispus Attucks. Ooh, let's that's go back a... to the Revolution. Crispus Attucks. Mm. That's he's from Framingham. Damn right, baby. Well, let me tell you, I'm from Watertown, Massachusetts, and hey, we, that's where I live now. We don't uh, really have much. Eliza Dushku was uh, from Watertown. Oh God, I could watch Bring It On every day just to watch her dance in a short yeah. cheerleader outfit. That's Watertown's wow. finest, right there. Other than that, we do, we don't have much. Okay. I'm sorry for that, Sam. I know. You live here now. It's, you have to deal with the shame that is a uh, Watertown resident. Yes. Yes, I do. Although I spend all my time in Waltham. Ew. That's where all the Celtics players live, so I just go hang out with them. Ugh. Hey, do you want a quick story? I would love one. All right. So my girlfriend lives in Waltham. Ew. And, and as some of you might know, a lot of the Celtics players live in Waltham, and they live actually right across the Charles from where my girlfriend lives. So one day my girlfriend went to the salon to get her nails done. She sees these two black guys in there getting their nails done and uh, starts making idle chit-chat with them. Turns out one of them was Stefan Marbury. Nice. While Marbury was with the Celtics. So Marbury and his buddy give my girlfriend tickets to the game. This was before my girlfriend and I were together. And... They're obviously giving her tickets to the game because trying to pick her up. That's a good. That's, that's a good that's, play right there. If that's you, how you do. Yeah, that's how you do. So my girlfriend was like, "Well, I'm not going to sleep with either of these guys, so I'm going to bring my nephew to the game. See how they <laughs> do with that." <laughs> Small children, big cock block to NBA players. Absolutely, <laughs> except for Sean Kemp. Um, <laughs> all right, one one other thing nationally I wanted to talk about was the Lakers and Kobe Bryant. Now, we saw the little tit-for-tat with Dwight Howard last week, and... Which pissed me off. Why? Because everyone's anti-Dwight Howard. He's a baby. He's soft. I hate Dwight Howard. Everyone hates Dwight. Well, every, most what? people dislike Dwight dislike Howard. Him, yeah. But in that situation... He wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong. Nope. You, if they actually fought, Dwight Howard would crush Kill Kobe. Kill him. It's just Kobe going out of his way, just being an insufferable dick. Yep. And it's when you're... Team, they're 0 and 5. The Lakers have a legitimate chance of starting the season 0 and 10. Their next they're 0 and 5 right now and their next 5 games I think are against the Hornets, Pelicans, Spurs, Warriors and Grizzlies. Wow. They could start 0 and 10. Oh, but it doesn't matter. Kobe's going to get his 25 points. The team is atrocious. 
It's mostly Kobe Bryant's fault for taking $30 million a year. I know the arguments to be made, well, he shouldn't have to take a pay cut, but that's the way the salary structure works. You're hurting your own team, Kobe. You're a bad guy. Go to Germany. Get new blood in your knees. You know what I say to that, though? 96-97, 97-98, Jordan was making $30 million a year. Jordan also had pieces around him and that didn't get paid. It's a completely different salary nope. structure. It is a different salary structure. But here's where I was going with that point is you saw reports the other week that said we can't get people here because no one wants to play with Kobe. Do you think that's true? Do you think why, pl- other players do not want to play with Kobe Bryant? I don't see why, especially in the kind of the new NBA, the new fraternity NBA where everyone's buddy-buddy, anyone wants to play with Kobe. Kobe's pitch to Dwight Howard was uh, stop being a baby and come win. And he's not inviting to anyone. He just seems like kind of it's what makes Kobe great is his kind of work ethic and his, his desire to be the best, his drive. But he can't, throughout his career, he's never really been able to coexist with anyone for a long period of time. He had to deal with Shaq because Shaq was the best player in the game at that time. He kind of dominated Pau Gasol because he was a demure European player. <laughs> I think there's what new superstar in this kind of we love every ch- everybody NBA is going to want to come and butt heads with Kobe Bryant. It just doesn't work. Yeah. I think uh, <clears throat> the reign of Kobe Bryant is over in the NBA. I mean, it's been over for a while because LeBron's the the reign of Kobe Bryant winning is over. I think he's going to oh, long gone. Now, do you see Kobe Bryant ever playing in another uniform? No, I don't think he's. I think he's committed to the Lakers for the rest of his career. They've given him too much money. I just can't see him doing it. He may demand, I guess, a trade to go to a winning team, but I think he's kind of too thick-headed and he thinks I'm going to do this myself and I'm going to do this on the Lakers. And if that doesn't work, there's no other option. I think what we will see with Kobe Bryant is in 2001, he'll come back and play for two seasons with the Washington Wizards. That would be fantastic. Because he wants to be like Mike. And then will he eventually get an ownership stake in a, where is he from, Philly? He could end up buying the Sixers. That would be fun. Yeah, he'd destroy them too. Well, it would be no worse than they are right now. They're in a great position right now, though. Ner- you and I both love the Sixers moving forward. I want Nerland's Noel in a Celtic uniform, Holy and I want crap, it now. Holy crap, did you see that block on James Harden? It was so cool. Oh. He's going to be an amazing defensive player, and he's kind of the exact type of player I think the Celtics need uh, yeah, protecting their rim. stopper. Who can run the floor with a cool flat top. What more do you want? And he's from Everett. And he's from Everett. He's yep. a local dude. I have friends who played against tur- uh, him in like tournaments in high school and just say he was absolutely most dominant player they've ever played against and just impossible to score against him and i want to see that live in person i want him to wear green it'll be a fantastic story absolutely absolutely we never i don't think we ever will but oh god it'd be fantastic i mean just just the prospects of nerland's noel and a healthy young developing joel Embiid. Oh god. That's my that's where I hold out hope cuz hopefully they cannot play on the same floor together and the Sixers have to deal one of them away. That's where I'm like really crossing my fingers and saying, "Oh, we're going to get rid of Nerlens because they you can't have Embiid and Noel on the same floor together." I don't think they'll trade Nerlens to Boston. Probably not, but uh But if any team's got the assets to do it, the Celtics it's the do. Celtics. They've got give them every picks. Nets pick, give them Kelly O, give them James Young, I don't care. Th- throw the wall. Throw everything. Hey Sam. Yeah. I'm tired of talking to you. All right, let's talk to someone way smarter than the both of us combined. Sounds good.
Joining us now on the show, Greg Dickerson. You can hear Greg every week on the Dale and Holly Show. You can check him out on Comcast Sports Tonight from time to time. As many of you know, Greg Dickerson was the longtime sideline reporter for our Boston Celtics. Greg, how are you doing today, sir? It's on the has-been, though. Basically, it's how you're introducing me. The former has-been sideline reporter once was. Once I can do something. Yes, that's me. Oh, yes, that's me. Yes. Uh, Greg Dickerson, the never was, joining us now on the show. The never was, right. Yeah, my bad. My bad. Uh, is, this, is, this a, is this a soccer podcast or are we doing the basketball podcast? We're talking all New England Revolution today on the show. Oh, Greg. good. Excellent. Yes. <laughs> What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing very good. I'm very glad you could take a few minutes to uh, stand outside your house and uh, give us some time. <laughs> Drive my car around aimlessly, basically, is what I'm doing. Yep. Um, so we've seen we've had a couple of games underway, and uh, we've seen the Celtics team some good moments, some not so good moments. What are your first impressions? Uh, just a couple of games into the season with the new form Celtics, they're going to play hard. Uh, they're going to be nights where they go out and they have say a, a, a Cleveland on the second half of a back to back, where Cleveland is on the second half of a back to back, or Chicago. And they beat those teams, kind of similar to what they did with Miami early on in the season last year, uh, that they're just going to make people crazy based on their defense with Smart and Avery Bradley and Rondo. I just don't think they're going to win a lot of games. I don't think this team is incredibly talented. There's some talent with this team, but overall, you compare them to most of the other teams around the league, who's a superstar on this team? And when I say that, Ben and Sam, I say it, I, I want to see this team play hard. I want to see him hustle. I want to see guys like Young develop. I want to see Bradley continue to develop and, and you know play worth up to the contract. But I want to see him lose. I'm I'm all for Tankapalooza year part two. All right, Greg. I wanted to ask you about that Rondo Bradley smart lineup. And everyone's really crazy about it. They love it. They say it's super chaotic. Is that something that they can play sustainable like minutes, or is that more of a gimmick that uh, Stevens can kind of just throw out teams and go small? I, I think it's a little bit of both, but I think it leans more towards the gimmick side. I just don't see that. I think that works on certain occasions and certain situations. You know, I, I, I used the uh, example before of catching teams on the second half of a back-to-back, you know, catching teams in three games in four nights. You're going to play Portland. You're going to play Chicago. You're going to play Miami. You're going to play good teams. And I think a lot of teams are just going to quit. I think there are going to be a lot of teams they're playing that third game in four nights, and they're going to be playing that fourth game in, in, in a week who have to deal with Rondo, who have to deal with Avery Bradley. Uh, you know, I, I talked to a handful of players a couple of years ago when I was doing the sideline reporting, and, and they just they just shook their head at Avery Bradley. I, I remember having one player who played for the Chicago Bulls who said, I'd see guys on our bench who said, no, don't send me in. I don't want to deal with that guy. I, you know, I, I don't want to deal with a guy picking me up three-quarters court and just harassing me. Now think of that times two when you add in a guy like Marcus Smart and then throw in um, Rajon Rondo as well. I think it can work on those, in those situations, but in terms of uh, you know creating a playoff team out of that style of play, I, I don't see it happening. I don't, I don't see that being a, a full-time 82-game type defense type uh, mentality for Brad Smart. Is this going to be a Tommy Heinsohn wet dream of a season where the Celtics just get out and run, 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 and try and run teams to death because they're smaller and a little more athletic in the backcourt? Uh, first of all, let me just – Tommy Heinsohn and the wet dream part really kind of <laughs> <laughs> disgusts me a little bit, so I have to clear that out of my memory, and I'm not sure I'm going to be able to. 
Yeah, this is Tommy's team. I, I, I think you will uh, you will rarely hear Tommy Heinsohn scream out, we got to run, move the ball, the court, push the ball, because I think they'll be doing it, because I think that's how they'll win games, much like they'll harass teams on the defensive end on a lot of occasions. I think that they will just push the hell out of the basketball as much as possible, because really that's how they're built, and I think that that's what they'll try and do against bigger basketball teams. Uh, Greg, Kelly Olenek and Jared Sullinger clearly cannot play defense together on the same floor. <laughs> they, wait a minute, Sam. They can't play defense separately, let alone together. They, they don't even sniff defense when they're together on the floor. They're not much of a defensive, uh, 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 you know, they're not much, they don't do much defensively on their own. So together, dear God, you and I could go up and play better defense against post players than those two. So then what's the solution for kind of low post defense? Is that some, a move they have to make, or is it just kind of waiting and seeing what happens? Uh, you know, to be honest with you, I think it is what it is. I mean, you have what you have. You're going to go up against uh, guys like Dwight Howard in Houston. When you're going to go up against big teams, you think of a team like uh, New Orleans who can throw Anthony Davis and Omar Sheik against you. I think there's just going to be absolute nightmares. Um, this is how this team is built. It is a, um, I don't want to say it's a fraudulently built team because that's, that's, not the, that's not the term that I want to use, but this team is not built to defend big, strong Long teams, they're going to have a lot, a lot of trouble against those kind of teams because of the lack of size, number one. And number two, as we just talked about and we just brought up, and you just brought up the fact that Olenek doesn't really defend. And Selinger, while he's kind of a slight wide body, he's not necessarily a guy that can get up off his feet, block a lot of shots, defend a lot. He can rebound, but in terms of defense, that's not his forte. Greg, going into the season, one of the major talking points was Rajon Rondo and whether or not he will be traded, whether he will last the season with the Celtics and get and move on in the offseason or what. But not a lot has been talked about Jeff Green. Do you see Jeff Green being a part of this team for the entirety of the season and for the next couple of years moving through the future? I, th- I, think, uh, I think they tried to trade him two days ago. I think they tried to trade him yesterday. I think Danny Ainge is on the phone today, and I think he'll be on the phone tomorrow and the next day. Um, Jeff Green is, is one of those guys that is, is just maddening to watch because he's going to go out there and one night he's going to throw you 32 points and give you seven rebounds and do all sorts of things and dunk over three guys at the same time. And then he's going to come back two nights later and he'll go, you know, four for 14 from the field and he'll just kind of float around and he won't do a hell of a lot. So it, it's, he's tough to watch and I think if the Celtics could, they would have dealt him already by now. I think that they will sniff out offers. They will continue to try and trade him. I think it's going to be difficult. Similar to Rondo, I think he's going to be difficult to deal. Uh, I think he'll be with this team for the rest of this year. Uh, long term, I, I don't. I don't see Jeff Green as a long term Boston Celtic. I, I. I think what Danny Ainge is trying to do the best that he can is sell a team on a guy who. Hey, listen. You need a third score. Maybe he's not a first score. Maybe he's not a number one guy or a number two, but you need this third score. You need a guy to score and be your leading score off the bench. I've got this guy for you. He's expensive, but you, know, you can miss a first-round pick and a couple of uh, uh, dead contracts, and we'll make that move. I think that's the, that's the selling point right now with Jeff Green. All right, Greg, now I'm just going to ask about the larger NBA. Last night we saw the Cavs lose to the Trailblazers, their second loss of the season, and LeBron was held to only 11 points. Is this just uh, evidence of the team need time to gel, or is there a larger problem there? 
No, I, I think it just needs time to gel. You know, we got really spoiled here, what, the, what is it, six years ago now, with the Celtics in that first year of the Big Three. They were lights out to begin the season. They were so good. They never really turned back from, from day one of the season. Not every team's like that. Miami had had its ups and downs early on in, in, in their Big Three era. I think this team will be just fine. You've got a lot of different parts being put together. I mean, you look at a guy like, uh, like uh, Kevin Love. Kevin Love is someone who was asked to be the guy, not only rebounding, but also scoring in Minnesota. And now all of a sudden you say to Kevin Love, okay, you're not the number one guy anymore. We want you to rebound the basketball. We want you to throw those great outlet passes. We want you to move the ball. We want you to shoot some threes. But you're really the number three option offensively. So I think that's going to take some time. Some guys get it right away. For some guys, you know, like Ray Allen, like Kevin Garnett, like Paul Pierce, they were all in their 30s. They got it right away. Kevin Love is still, what, 25, 26 years old. I think it's going to take some time for him to develop that. Uh, and, and by the way, the team they lost to last night, not a bad basketball team. Portland didn't do a hell of a lot in the offseason. I think they lost, if I remember correctly, they lost, uh, they lost what, Mo Williams to, uh, to free agency. They didn't do a lot in the offseason, but that's a really nice basketball team. That's a real tough place to play, so... I'm not looking at Chicago. I'm not looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers right now as being this, uh, you know, this this falsely advertised team. They're going to be fine if if they're not in the NBA Finals come next June. I'll, I'll be stumped. They're clearly the they they will be maybe not now, but they will be clearly the best team in the East. All right, so you you have the Cleveland Cavaliers penciled into the NBA Finals. I do. Yes. Who do you have in the West playing them? Uh... You know, my first thought. You know, what my first thought was with Houston, and I, I had a long conversation with somebody in the Houston front office back in August, and I, I won't say who it was, but they were not very complimentary of James Harden. And uh, one of the things they said to me was, "Harden's not a guy that you can really count on down the stretch of playoff games." And, and they said we kind of found that out this past playoff season. They, they this particular person in their front office had a lot of doubts about the leadership capabilities and the abilities under pressure late in playoff games of James Harden. So while in August my choice was the Houston Rockets, that quickly changed. Um, it changed, and I went to my number two pick, and that's that's uh, the Clippers. I think the Clippers got together last year. Obviously, like Cleveland, you know they had a lot of changes last year. They brought in Doc Rivers. They brought in some other pieces around Blake Griffin and, and Chris Paul. I, I think a year under their belts, a year into the playoffs, uh, to me it's going to be the Clippers in, in the uh, in the finals. But I, I'm not down yet on Oklahoma City. You know, once Durant, once, once Westbrook comes back, and I'm, I'm assuming they're going to be healthy, they'll be in the mix. But uh, but to me, I'll go with the Clippers against Cleveland. Greg, thank you very much for taking some time and joining us. We really do appreciate it. Where uh, where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, all over the place. All, <laughs> all, right right there. I'm right there, Ben. I'm right there on Twitter. I, I, have, a, I, I have no idea. I don't know what my handle is. I, I know it has CSN in it, and I don't know if it still should have because I don't work for them full-time, but it's still on there. I think if yeah. memory serves, it's Good Dick CSN. <laughs> I, I, I think if former sideline reporter has been uh, underscore never was been at Twitter.com. I think if you type that in, you'll find me on Twitter. It's not Abby Chin. <laughs> it's, it's thank God it's not Dickerson anymore, and it's Abby Chin. That's exactly what it is. Hey, you know what? I'll say this, Greg. You were no Willie May.
No. Take that for <laughs> how you want it. Oh, I'm not sorry. The phone broke up. I didn't hear that. Bye, Greg. It was great talking Thanks, to you. Thanks, Greg. Man. See you, soon. Take care, guys. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs> Big thanks to Greg Dickerson for joining us. We really do appreciate him taking some time. And uh, I don't know about you, Sam, but I really, really do miss Greg on the uh, oh yeah on he... the games. I miss those images when you'd see the bench, when you'd see the huddle, and you'd just see Greg leaning over, lurking, like, just lurking. What's what's Doc saying? What's hey, Doc uh, saying? Just right give now? me a little bit of information here. I, I, I'm very grateful that Greg uh, is a part of the Dale and Holly show. I love talking basketball with him. Every time he's in, it, it's always great fun. He is a great guy. I know we're going to see him uh, doing bigger and better things somewhere down the line, uh, but really do appreciate him taking some time and joining us and all the guests that have joined us. But uh, as you've heard today, we put the challenge out to you, the Twitter listeners, to give us some feedback. We want to change the name. It's too negative. We do hate Dwayne Wade. And it's very specific to one guy. We need a, a universal name. Yeah, and, and so we need your help. We've come up with some ideas, but we don't like our ideas so we want your help. Submit to us your best name. If you we pick your submission, we'll shout you out. And you know what? Maybe we'll even have you join the show for five minutes one day. Oh, yeah. That? Get your t- hot sports takes on the Celtics. You give us a good name for our basketball podcast. We'll put you on the show. We'll give you airtime. That's a fair deal. All right. Well, this has been another, well, the final edition, hopefully, of the We Hate Dwayne Wade show but one of many future episodes of us covering the Celtics here on WEI.com. Again, we really appreciate you guys listening. I'm Ben Kitchen at Young Ben WEI. I'm Sam Packard at Guy. I will be writing tonight about Celtics Raptors. I also have a new NBA uh, power rankings out today, so check that out, uh, Green Street blog, WEI.com. Thanks for checking us out. All right, we're going to let the Mavericks play us out with their run DMC rap. Shocks me that Dirk Nowitzki has a better flow than both Chandler Parsons and Monte Ellis. A few years ago, some friends of mine wanted a ring and then we got our shine. But that's in the past, I've won it again. So I loaded it up with some brand new friends. Like me, CP, and the place to be. Left Houston so easily. Whether on the break or pulling up for three. If you try and hold me, guess who you'll see. I got two, 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 two. Monte Ellis, ask the fellas, food talk trash because they jealous. Laid back from the south, trying to hack up, I'll make you shut your mouth. We and Monte Ellis, pick and pop. Nutella too, you know we can't be stopped. 16 elite, the foundation laid. Redefine the game with a one-legged fade. First come, first serve basis. Words first. First come, first serve basis. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.